Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That. This is the podcast where we celebrate films that we think might be underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about it. This week we're talking about Enduring Love from 2004, so let's get stuck into it. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Josh Hallam, and I'm joined as ever by the lovely Alice Oliver. Alice, are you well? I'm well as always. Thank you, Josh. How about yourself? I am always well when we're recording this podcast. I'm especially well this week because we have a Just Films and That first. Oh, yes, I believe we might have. We do. So, as I said at the top, we are doing Enduring Love from 2004. Alice, before I tell everyone why this is a Just Films and That first, you pick this one. So what's it about and why did you pick it? So Enduring Love, I suppose, is a tale of obsession, of grief, of trauma and of trying to get by after something quite traumatic has happened. So the film opens with a hot air balloon disaster. A child is in a hot air balloon. His grandfather has lost control of this balloon. And the fear is that he's going to fly away and that something terrible is going to happen to him. So a few people in the surrounding areas, one of them being Daniel Craig, who's our protagonist, plays a character called Joe. He's there with his girlfriend, Claire, played by Samantha Morton. So they're witnessing this. So Daniel Craig, in typical 007 fashion, jumps into action. He wants to try and save the day. Unfortunately, they don't really succeed and one of the people who's trying to save this kid falls to their death. So we move on from that and Joe is trying to get on with his life, but he can't. He can't drop it. He can't stop thinking about this guy who died. He feels like it is his fault. He feels like he shouldn't have let go of the rope. And he sort of spirals into this, he's obsessing, obsessing about the balloon, obsessing about the things that he should have, could have done differently. Along the way, we meet a character called Jed, who's played by Shreya Sivans. Now, he was also there that day, and he becomes obsessed with Joe. And Joe at first thinks that he's just a crazed fan. Joe is an author, he's just published a book. And so he thinks, oh, maybe Jed, you know, he's just, he's read my books, he knows me as an author or whatever. But it turns out that he has this really quite destructive, stalkerish style love for Daniel Craig's character, for Joe. So then Joe's got to try and deal with this whilst also keeping his girlfriend happy, but then whilst also trying to keep himself afloat and stop him, himself from spiralling into this 
pit of despair. And it's all just that, really. It's very, it's very British. It's, you know, it's very subtle. It's one of these films where it's just a bunch of people going through some motions and we, we're with them on this journey. You know, the big extraordinary thing happens at the beginning with the hot air balloon disaster. But then from that, it's all just about this fallout. The reason I picked it is because I do think it's underseen. I don't know anybody else who's seen this. Nobody ever talks about it. The only reason that I'd seen it was because it was required viewing. I think it was for my film studies course at college. I also actually do think it's a little bit underrated, having now looked at the critical reception for this podcast. Josh, I do believe that you have seen this, haven't you? Yes, I had seen it. So the reason I was smiling and at the end of, so the end of last week's episode, um, I was pulling a face when, when you chose this film. And he does uh, do that often, listeners. I do it a this, lot. This was a special kind and, of thing. And normally it's because you pick some. On? Normally you pick some because I think, why why did I agree to do this podcast? That's yes, normally what I'm it, thinking. To be fair, it was the same face you pulled when I picked Grease 2, thinking it was about that. it. Um, <laughs> that was just a disbelief in general. However, the reason I picked this is because this is the first time we've ever had a film that is on both of our lists. Mm, interesting. So this was, this was also on my list of films that w- was which I think are underrated and underseen. So that might lend an idea of what I think of it towards the end, but let's get stuck into it. So I had seen it before. It was on my list for similar reasons to you in that I think it's underrated and underseen. I also picked it because I like, I love Daniel Craig as an actor. I think he's a really, really good uh, leading man. Uh, And obviously I wanted to pick a film that wasn't a James Bond film for him to do. And there's loads and loads of different ones on my list, but this was the one that that, that came to mind. Um, So now that you've watched it again, what did you think? What did you like about it? So I would say that it perhaps wasn't as powerful, maybe wasn't as sinister and dark and disturbing as the first time I saw it, but... I still did get a lot out of it and I did really enjoy having to watch it again for the podcast. So some of the way in which the scenes are constructed to create feeling is very, very clever, especially obviously starting with this opening scene with a hot air balloon crash. It's it's just not anything I'd ever seen. Tell me about the hot tell me about the hot air balloon crash, Alice. Well, it's just I'd never seen anything like it before. And I remember watching this for the first time and feeling, you know, like horrified, like my heart was in my mouth all the way through. They do such a good job at creating just enormous tension like it's there's complete silent it's deadly silent you've got Claire and Joe who are sitting in this field just outside Oxford it's beautiful it's green the skies are blue the sun is shining there's bird song it's absolute paradise and in the background you just see this bright red hot air balloon kind of on its side like you just know that something's wrong with it I don't know much about the science of hot air balloons but you know that there is something wrong with that balloon let me tell you about hot air balloons. No, I don't know anything about hot air balloons. Oh, God, oh, I thought you were going to surprise us then. <laughs> it's, it's, it's floating wicker yeah. propelled fire. by fire. air and fire. Yeah. <laughs> Terrifying. What, what could possibly go wrong? Indeed, when you've got a child and they're operating it as well. <laughs> so, so this hot air balloon goes out of control. And there's this moment, obviously, where Joe, he doesn't look like, he's like, what the hell am I seeing? And you're so, you're, I mean, you're aligned with Joe throughout this film. You do not leave his side for a second. And it's from those very first moments. You can see the cogs turning in his eyes, again, down to Daniel Craig, being a, just a brilliant actor. He's fantastic in this. And it's great to see this side of him because I don't think, and 
So I'm not huge into James Bond. I understand that, you know, people are huge fans of it and that's fine. But the character, the story, a lot of the scripts for me for James Bond don't lend themselves for real sort of nuanced, subtle acting. A lot of it is just kind of, I'll hit up my eyebrow and I'll smolder at you, you sexy lady. Yeah, a lot I think of it is it's... Just kind um... of like it's it's a, you know James Bond is a successful formula for a reason. Daniel Craig, I think it's fair to say, certainly breathed a certain new type of life into the character. I think he made him much more human, which is why he's so successful. But ultimately, a James Bond film still ticks certain boxes about action and and cars and shagging and drinking and, and, and you know what? That's totally fine, and I appreciate. Yeah, well, you, that know, a you lot know what you're getting, don't it. you? You know what you're yeah. getting. Yeah, but, uh, and it's, I, but it's not it's not a hot air balloon disaster, is it? Well, well, I don't know. Maybe if you went back over, <laughs> um, could you re-edit the opening of Enduring Love to make a James Bond opening sequence? Like as they all fall to the earth, a lady silhouette comes on in an I Alan Partridge clang. You You get the music on there. I reckon you've nailed it. Um, so he's so you can see the cogs turning in Joe's face. He doesn't know what to do. Like he's at this crossroads. It's like, do I get involved? Do I try and stop this potential tragedy from happening? But he runs up, he tries to be the hero. A few other people from the surrounding areas join in as well. They're trying to rescue this kid who is stuck in the basket. He's, you know, he's scared, he's crying. Really stupid kid for not just jumping out the basket, right? That that drove me crazy watching it round this time. When the well, yeah, air balloon was yeah, basically they get it down, on the don't ground, they? Yeah. he should have just jumped out. Someone should have gone jump out now. And he get didn't. the fuck out of the hot air balloon before the is... wind blows through the trees. Exactly. Oh, They're never so mind. delicate and sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> this was part of the tension building. And there was a lot of this going on, this sort of almost car crash television where you can't bear to look and you're sort of watching with your eyes through your hands sort of thing. It's an unbelievable opening. for a, it's, it's not really something I would say, maybe this is unfair, that you would associate with a sort of naturalistic British-made film. Mm-hmm. But... Like you say, you get this idyllic field and they're opening an expensive bottle of champagne and he Dom looks like it, he's obviously <laughs> going to propose. That's what yeah. it is. It's setting it all up and there's nobody else around. They're having this lovely afternoon and then bam, a hot air balloon comes swinging through the trees and he has to leap into action and help them. Then other people show up and desi- when we first watched this, so I when when I bought this to watch. I bought it because because of the cast, but also because mm-hmm. I, I I I'd heard good things about it in terms of it mm-hmm. being about the, the the I'm gonna say his name wrong. Reese Fans' characters sort of like you say the obsession between those two characters. Mm-hmm. I thought that's what it was about. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really low, you know, a couple of characters Hitchcock style film. I had no idea about the inciting incident at the start. So when it started, I was absolutely like jaw on the floor, aghast. And it's not exactly a big budget thing. It's just this very real feeling disaster. Mm -hmm. And my partner, my girlfriend who I was watching it with, is terrified of heights. Mm -hmm. And when it showed it, and obviously the the hot air balloon lifts them off the ground. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to get it down. And they have that moment where it's like, well, if I don't let go, I'm dead. I'm dead too, yeah. So a few of them let go, and that's what Mm -hmm. triggers this, did I do the right thing? But there's a moment where it's just hanging in the air for a couple of seconds, and like you say, it's silent. There's just the odd grunt or shuffle of one of the people trying to cling on to this hot air balloon. Mm -hmm. And I looked over at my partner, and she's just gone white. Yeah. Because she's so scared of heights. She hates heights. And if, if, if you don't like heights or hot air balloons... 
then this might not be the film for you. But that but opening... This made, me, this made me not like hot air balloons. I think I've mentioned did you, before did about... Did you already like hot air balloons? I was fine. I was, like, indifferent. Like, I'm not bothered by <laughs> hot air balloons. But this film totally turned me. I was like, I've done bungee jumping, I've done skydiving, I will do whatever, but I will never, ever go in a fucking hot air balloon. There's no way. <laughs> have you it's, ever been in one before you watched I it? I have not. No, no, and I will never, and I will never. And I'm fine with that. I don't feel like I'm missing out at all. So you start with a bang. You really do. And this, the way that the scenes are constructed, using the script, using the performance, using the things around them, using the way the actors interact with one another, it's just all so powerful. And even the camera work has its own part to play. Mm. I do believe, I think, Daniel Craig is in every single scene of this film. Is that right? Did you notice that? I feel like yeah. he is in it constantly. Yeah, he I think he's in every, I think he is in it. He, he must be because everything is through Joy, Joe's perspective, it's isn't it? Not literally, eyes, but but there are but then like you say with the camera work, there are moments where there's a lot of really good lingering shots that create an unsettling sense especially of Reese Fans' character, mm. but also there's one moment where Joe runs from a from a flat to another flat in London. Because it's it's the it's the finale, if you like, and you get this really strange point of view shot of him fumbling with his keys to try and it's get on into his, shoulder, his flat, isn't it? The and it's on his on shoulder, his shoulder. Yeah. yeah, and it and it, it it's like watching body cam from a from a mm -hmm. soldier or something, mm -hmm. and he's fumbling to get his keys in, and it's just so there's something about that fumbling to get his keys in which builds tension, and I think that's something the film does really well, which is it's really naturalistic, mm -hmm. so all of this feels really real. It to me, does. it did anyway. Yeah, certainly. And that's where a lot of the power lies. And it's just absolute kudos to everybody who was involved, I think. So like you say, the that sort of camera work, it aligns you with Joe. You're aligned with him throughout this film. So you follow him on his journey into his obsession. So basically, after the hot air balloon disaster, he can't let it go. It's all he thinks about. It's all he talks about. You get these wonderful snippets of flashback, don't you? They're so fleeting and they're so rare, but they're so brilliantly placed. It, it does make you feel like you're in Joe's mind and that you're seeing these images as he is thinking about them. So he's spiralling. He starts obsessing with the objects around him, doesn't he? He starts drawing sketches of the balloon, trying to figure out, was there a way? Is there a way that, you know, uh, that we could have saved him if I just hung on for longer and all this? And then through this, he he meets the, the widow. He meets the wife of the man who did die. Now, yeah. it's not the granddad who died because I'd misremembered. I'd always thought that it was the granddad same, who died. Same. But it's not, is it? It was just another a just sort another, of stranger. Just an another person who's trying to bring the balloon down. So most yeah. of them, there's about four or five of them all but one let go. And this other chap who is the one who, who dies hangs on for a bit longer. Then you see him let go and he mm. hangs in the sky for what seems like forever. Yeah. And then you don't see him die, but then they find his body. You and see it's the just, aftermath, don't you? Oh, it's I was, just... I was surprised and also impressed with how gory they went with that. So it looks like, obviously, his leg bone has shot up sort of inside him and then pierced out through his gut, doesn't it? Because yeah, he's essentially sort of... Um, he's essentially broken in half, hasn't he? Yeah. Like, right through his legs. It's, it's I mean, grim. that goes back to the naturalism thing, I suppose, isn't it? And it's not... It's a split second. They don't... You know, they don't make it, they don't make you look at it for too long. Mm -hmm. But it is like, look at what would happen if you fell out of a hot air balloon. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. For that image. It's horrible.
Obviously, one of the central themes of this film is obsession. And we've got Joe's obsession with the balloon, with the trauma, with the grief, with the death, with what happened. But then you've also got Jed's obsession with Joe. And they're both spiralling, but in two very different ways. Jed is kind of controlled in his obsession in a way. You know, he doesn't start yelling. He doesn't get irate most of the time. He just turns up at, you know, Joe's work or he meets him outside and stuff. And he's just like, come on, Joe. You know we're meant to be together. You know that we're in love and all this. Like he is firmly set in his belief that he and Joe are in love with one another and that that brief moment that they shared on that field after the balloon disaster cemented them. He says he felt this love surge through him from God, doesn't he? So he thinks it's from a higher plane, which is so dangerous. Mm. And And so he's obsessing about this and then Joe's obsessing about the balloon and they both go on this kind of weird, crazy, obsessive journey together. And it's just really, really intense, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. It's it's well, it's like you say. So Joe is obsessed with the accident, and Jed is obsessed with Joe. And one thing I love about it is it, it explores obsession and trauma and that sort of thing. But it isn't over dramatic. You know, it's not fatal attraction. It's just he's following him. He's sitting outside his house. He's approaching him at work. He's approaching him when he's out with friends. It becomes more and more intense as the film goes on. I've never been stalked yet. Don't worry, I'm sure there's time. There's time, there's time. But I imagine that this is quite close to what it feels like. Looking over your shoulder, where are they? This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The person seeing signals where there are no signals. I mean, if you read any case about any celebrity being stalked, there's always that sort of thing there. The person feels like they're getting something from that person, that there is a signal they're not getting or they're being led on, whoever it may be. So I thought that was really interesting. It, again, it doesn't overdo it. It doesn't over-dramatize it. It gives you quite a naturalistic sort of realistic, if you like, view of, of, of what it all might be. And I think that's to its credit because I think that is what that is what gives this film its edge, its impact. And it explores the the kind of loneliness and the isolation that comes with obsession. So Joe has, he's got a girlfriend who I think he lives with and he's got a, this group of friends that they sort of hang out with. So he is surrounded by people and he can speak to them about what happened, but he still feels completely alone. He feels like none of them really get it. None of them can understand what he's going through. And then you've got Jed, who's clearly very lonely and very isolated. And at first you think he just wants to speak to Joe because he's got no one else to speak to about this trauma that he's experienced. But then it, it becomes a lot more sinister than that. And then at the end, when Joe, I think he breaks into Jed's place, he sees, you know, there's newspaper cuttings, there's images of him. He's got a photo of Claire with her eyes scratched out and stuff like this. This is a man who has got some deep, deep problems and who, you know, seriously needs to address them. They're just kind of spilling out and we're watching him kind of spiral into this madness. You almost get the impression that he could have been stalking him before the accident. Well, because, and because he's an, because he is an author, so he's in the public domain, right? People know his face, people know his work. So I definitely think that's a possibility and it definitely feels that way. It's open-ended, isn't it? It is open-ended. And then at the end, you get the, the moment where, again, spoilers, but, where he, he stabs Claire and it's similar to the balloon. It, it, this, this film is open and closed by two quite traumatic events that are presented to you almost as if it may well be in real life. So yeah, he stabs Claire yeah. and it's not like this, you know, it's not like a Hollywood thing where he takes an iPhone. It's like, shing, and they have a fight. And then he literally just walks over to her, stabs her. And you just hear like a little, like yeah. as the knife enters her and it's like, it's horrible. Because then she goes down in complete shock. And it is literally like, if you've ever read any actual reports of what it is like when someone gets stabbed, it isn't, you know, a sexy thing where they have a bit of a fight and then one of them comes out best, you know. They walk over to them, they stab them, and they go down and that's it. Mm. And, and, and that's what this film does re really, really well. Some really good tension building in there as well, I thought. Oh, certainly. Some yeah. really um, good... Um... Between a lot of the characters as well. Like, yeah. everyone's got their own tensions between yeah. one another. Yeah, it's like, is Claire's brother in it at one point and oh, Joe yeah. and him don't get bag. on and he's a shitbag well, because he goes he is, on... He is a shitbag because he... So not only does he go out with, start sleeping with the au pair, oh, he, yeah. talks about, he talks about how much, you know, he loves her and how deep their connection is, but they've never had a single conversation she because speak she English. can't speak English. <laughs> and obviously mm. part of Joe's thing is he's... So Joe's like a lecturer... Mm. Do you have any idea? What is he the lecturer of? Is it well, like human <sighs> studies, behavioural studies? It's never, yeah, I don't he think seems, it's really he, made he, clear. So in it, he, I know it's based on a book, which I'm tempted to it read, is, yeah. but he he says a lot of stuff about the greater human need, doesn't he? And in mm -hmm. terms of like how, you know, love isn't, Love isn't really, I think that's where the title comes from. You know, love isn't really mm -hmm. real. It's an emotion our brain tells us to make us essentially reproduce. Mm -hmm. That's basically what it is. That's that's his his whole theory is that we're put here to do nothing. 
So maybe it's something like philosophy. Yeah. Or yeah, that's what I thought. Something more specific in that area, I guess. Mm. But it is quite vague, isn't it? But yeah, he's got he's got this tension. I mean, everybody feels the tension really with mm. Claire's brother, but he's the only one who speaks out on it. I think because he's actually experienced something that he feels is quite um quite potent, mm. quite, you know, persistent in his mind mm. because of the hot air balloon disaster. And so when he's there, you know, talking about this woman who he's madly in love with and who's the love of his life, but they've never had a single conversation because they can't speak to one another. It just feels really vapid. It feels mm. really hollow. Mm. And it says so much about that character as well. And obviously the fact that she was the au pair, like that sucks. That is a huge abuse Which mean of your he must, power. He must have kids, right? means he must have kids. Au pairs live in your house yeah, with you. Yeah. So if he's come on to her... What, what recourse has she got? Is she going to turn him down? And then it's like, well, what if I get fired? Then I've got yeah. nowhere to live and I've got no job. It's a huge abuse of power. and But it, it's brilliant because it's just a very little detail about him and his life that leads you to a very strong conclusion that, oh, you're a dickhead. You are a jerk. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really like how kind of ambiguous Joe and Claire's relationship is. Like a lot of the time, they don't even really seem to like each other. It's mm. very, very odd. And this is where I believe the term enduring love sort of relates and where it comes from. You're just putting up with love in air quotes. Like you're putting up with this thing. You're enduring it because it's what you've been programmed to do. It's because it's all you can do. As we know, the world is built for two. It's easier to own a house if there's two of you. It's easier to raise children if there's two of you. It's just something you have to endure to get to the end kind and, of nicely. And that goes back to what he says, isn't it? Which is that, you know, love is an emotion that your brain creates to make you reproduce. So in theory... Enduring love is just there for the for the sort of greater need of yeah of having children. I suppose is is yeah. I guess what he's getting at. Yeah, definitely. Um, so a away from some of this then, because obviously I think we could go on about the characters, about the tension yes. building, about yeah. this world building. It is brilliant. But away from that, just some beautiful shots of London. Oh, some yeah. wonderful London landmarks. You've got the beautiful Oxford countryside and it just looks really nice and it's shot really, really well, I thought. Yes, it does. It does look amazing. Is it reminding me a little bit of Rain Over Me in the way that New York is a character. Oh, yes. London is London is... It's not as much as Rain Over Me because obviously the the nine eleven disaster is very, very pivotal to that film. But um, in this, yeah, I would say so. I'd say yeah, London London is almost like a little bit of a character. And just another one of the plot points that I thought was very strong was that we get to meet the widow. We get to meet the widow of the man who died, and she is convinced that he was having an affair because in his car, because he's driving past, he he jumps out the car. And he runs to help. And in the car, they found a plastic bag that had a bottle of wine in it, two glasses and like some snacks or something and a woman's scarf. And the wife is, you know, she's distraught. She's like, this isn't my scarf. Like, what was he doing? Was he cheating? And he has form. And did, he have, did he have form as well for doing it? I think she says he's he's played away before sort of thing. Oh, well, that he likes showing off was that's the thing, it. wasn't yeah, it? He's like, it. He, oh, he likes to show off. I bet he was showing off in front of this in front of this girl, in front of this woman. So then she's leaning on Joe to be like, you must tell me, did you see a woman get out the car? Did you see anything? Did you see anything? But he can't give her conclusive mm. evidence one way or the other. So then you really feel for her because it's like, wow, your husband's just died. And now you think that he was cheating on you. And the reason that he was where he was and essentially why he died was because he was cheating on mm. you. And I just don't know 
how you would come back from that. Like that would take so many years of, of trying to heal just to be able to process that and to sort of live with it. But then you get this breath of relief at the end when it turns out, oh no, he was just giving a lift to a, an older man. To a couple who, was, who were having an affair. <laughs> to a couple who were having an affair yeah. because she was one of his students. They knew it would be frowned upon. They didn't want to say anything. But finally at the end, they sort of came clean to her. And that... And it's so interesting because that is the relief moment of this film yes, when is, that yeah. happens. And she is a side character because you don't really get She's a strong relief moment. Two scenes, moment. three scenes, yeah. something like that. But that's where the resolution and the relief comes from because you don't really get it with... You don't get it with Joe and Claire. Like, there's no proper resolution. You don't... You don't really think like you don't think they're, that they're still together. For, they're still but, together, but, but like are, are they? they? Yeah, but are and, they? And, and should yeah, you're they right. be like? Yeah, and if he doesn't really believe in love, then what the fuck is he doing in a monogamous relationship? Are they in a yeah. monogamous relationship? Is it an open relationship? Like you say, it's, it, it isn't. It isn't cleared up. But but it? you get yeah. that. You get that sort of satisfaction from that character at the end. And that is uh, the other thing I'd say as well, just to finish on this point, is is, is that's down to Helen McCrory, who is, oh, and obviously really, Sal- yeah. Helen, Helen McCrory sadly passed away last year. She was definitely mm. taken too soon, but she is incredible and she's incredible in this. Okay, so we'll move on to talking about things that we perhaps didn't like about the film or that we would change. Um, Alice, it's your film, so... Away you go. Right, I'm going to open this to you a little bit. What did you think about the music? Um, Mixed. Mm -hmm. So I quite liked a lot of the piano use in it. I know it was a bit plinky-plonky, but I got that that was calling back to Hitchcock a little bit. Mm -hmm. I did quite like it. What about you? I'm guessing you've got got something something to say. So I didn't really like it. I thought it was a bit too much. It was kind of too loud. It was too prominent. And Mm. I feel like it didn't really... Like it, so it fits the vibe of the film in that it does. It sounds like fi- uh, music that would belong in a thriller, and mm. this is you know a, th- a thriller of a film. But it was just too much, and I feel like I didn't need it. Like I didn't remember it being that prominent, and because of how good Daniel Craig is in this, I didn't need it. I don't need this this big dramatic. Like it was just so over the top. It was big violins and it was piano, like you say. And for me, it was just a little bit too much, and I could have done without some of it. Um. Some of Jed's behaviour and language borders on funny. And at times, this almost throws you out of the film a little bit. Like, I wanted it to be more sinister. I wanted it to be more dark. But it's when he's doing things like calling Joe, Joey and Jojo and doing stuff like that. Like, it's almost funny. And some of his, some of how just kind of outrageously obsessive he is, I think it it goes from 0 to 60 in two seconds. I think it goes a little bit too much. I could have done with a little bit more development. I could have done with a few more meetings between Joe and Jed, where Jed is still pretending to be normal, and then the obsession kicks in. But I think because it happens so quickly, it it's almost laughable. Do you mm. know what I mean? I do I do know what you mean in defense of that point. Maybe he's being overly familiar with him. Yeah, and and, and I get that, and I appreciate yeah. that. And I think if there'd been a bit more time, if they'd have just had a few more meetings beforehand, it might not have felt so out of place. But because it was just sort of instant, it just became almost a joke. I wanted it to be more sinister. The atmosphere was already so dark and weird, and my brain was all over the place, and my heart was in my mouth. And then that just sort of stopped that a little bit. Um, I feel like they miss out on some depth 
um, with Joe and some of the things that Joe says and some of the things that Joe does. Like we've already touched on, he has a little bit of a monologue where he starts, you know, like you said, saying that love, it's literally just a chemical reaction. It isn't a real thing. It's just a word that we've assigned to this thing that our brain does to us. And he says a little bit about this when he's having this dinner party with his friends, with Claire and then with her brother. And the stuff he says is just really basic. Like, it's just really basic stuff. And I feel like there's an opportunity here to go really deep on it because I share uh, similar views. Like, obviously, love is just a thing that we've assigned a word to. It's just a survival instinct kicking in. It's like we are social creatures. We do better in groups. We're more likely to survive if we have a long-term partner. Mm. That's all it is. It's not like this magical thing. It's not, you know, supernatural. It's not like, oh, you're my soulmate. Yeah, you're if the there's, one if there's, and all this. If there's, one, if there's one person for every one person in the world, how did you meet yours at school? Yeah, and it's like, and, and you know, everybody's different. This is just my opinion. I'm, you know, I've already got my very limited world experience. I only know what I know and I only think what I think and everybody's different and that's fine. But I do, like, I agree with Joe and what he says and I just think he could have said much more profound, much more introspective things and they just kind of leave it a little bit. And it's the same when he's in his classroom talking to his students. I was like, just develop that bit of the script a little bit more. Talking like, there's to, a lot uh, to say on this subject. Ben Wishaw. Talking to Ben Wishaw, yeah, very, uh, <laughs> yeah. very young Ben Bond talking to Q. I know, Or yeah, Paddington, cool, or it? Paddington, whichever or you want to say. Um, no, I know what you mean. And, and do you know what I was, I was thinking about this and I think that comes from the fact that it's a book adaptation. Mm-hmm. In a book, you know, you can say whatever you want, whatever Joe is thinking. Pages and pages In a 90-minute film, there's only so much. And it probably does fall down a little bit there. And the reason it's so noticeable is because it is quite the unique take, as in for a person to have those views. I mean, plenty of people have those views, but to put a person like that in a film, you know, not often does a film acknowledge what we have just talked about in terms of love and chemicals, et cetera, et cetera. So perhaps they could have explored that a little bit more, but it is only an hour and a half film. And then finally, I wanted a little bit more history from Jed, I think. And I think that would have helped Mm. with him sort of coming into this so strong immediately. Give me a little bit maybe about a previous relationship, about his childhood, something. What was Doesn't he doing? What much. was he doing in the field? Yeah. And it's mm. tricky because obviously this is about Joe. It's his story. We're in his head. We're there with him. And that's great. And they do a wonderful job at that. But you're missing a few things with Jed there. But I it's not about that, is it? And it's not about him. Yeah. So I wonder if that's just my prejudices about film about thinking oh i need to know everything about this character i need to know their motivations but you know what jed ain't got any proper discerned motivations he's just a bit bonkers but that was it that was it that was a few things i suppose but no overall i i was really impressed what about you was there anything that you didn't like or you would change nothing that you haven't already touched on to some degree i would the other thing i would say I, i can imagine some people this isn't me and i don't think it's you but i can imagine some people thinking it's a little bit boring Sure. But but that's because I think it's realistic. So I think because mm-hmm. they don't over-dramatise it, I think some people may say that. I didn't, don't think you did, but it's no, just something... I didn't find it boring. No, it's just something that came to my mind. I can imagine people thinking it was perhaps mm-hmm. a little boring in places. So we'll move on to talking about the critical reception soon. But before we do, Alice, I believe for the first time in 2022, you're going to take mm. us... On a journey. I am indeed. No hot air balloons involved, listeners. Oh, so, so don't well, worry I'm not bothered about then. that. I'm not bothered. He's not bothered. Well, you can come along with me, listeners, because we're going to go down the rabbit hole for this bit that we're going to call Alice Down the Rabbit Hole. So... <gasps> 
from Claire to Agatha to a mermaid in a U2 video. It feels like we've seen a lot of Samantha Morton around the place, but what do we really know about her? Born in Nottingham in the 1970s, it sounds like it was a bit of a rough start for Samantha, who had a troubled family life which saw her end up in and out of foster care and children's homes. Through school, she joined a television workshop aged 13, and it wasn't long before some folks at ITV noticed her as she was cast in a couple of TV shows. Moving to London at 16, she experienced a few hurdles and a bit of rejection, but soon found her feet on the stage before landing some regular roles on the telly. She started nabbing herself a few film roles in movies that weren't particularly successful at the box office, but that did strike a chord with the critics, with one saying of Samantha that she uses her eyes to convey meaning, reviving techniques of silent cinema. The big hitter that launched her into the stratosphere was, of course, Minority Report, where she starred alongside Tom Cruise. More recently, she was a regular in the hit show The Walking Dead, and there looks like there's plenty more projects on the horizon. Away from her dazzling career on the screen, she is known for her active charity work, dealing mostly with foster care and children's homes, causes that are very dear to her heart. And that was Alice down the rabbit hole. Well, there we go. Samantha Morton featuring on the rabbit hole. Now, for me, I don't know about you, but I would put her up there with most underrated actresses. I would probably agree. And you know what? Looking at the research that I did for the rabbit hole, I think a lot of people feel the same. Let's move on to talk about the critical reception, which I have not seen. Alice, I'm passing the critical reception hosting baton to you. Right then, Josh. So on IMDb... Oh, no, wait a minute. Will you hazard a guess for me, please? If you or have you seen it? Because I know you're familiar no, with the No, I, I haven't seen it. If ever I need to look mm. at anything, I just do my best to ignore it. Uh, and to be fair, I watched this quite a while ago anyway. So um, how do I think it did? Well, you said you think it's under rated and underseen so i mm. think it probably maybe comes in i think it comes in around a low six high five maybe six okay. so, so, five. i would okay. personally i think this is a solid eight out of ten film wow yeah maybe you know between seven and eight on a generous mm. day i think it's a solid film i think it's well mm. made good performances which we didn't even touch on and um yeah, I enjoy this film, it, but it, but it is up my street, as we've talked about before, in terms of what mm -hmm. I like. How did it do? Lay it on me. So at the time of recording, on IMDb, it got 6.3. So that's kind of around the figure that you were suggesting. Uh, over on Rotten Tomatoes, the audience gave it 60% and the critics gave it 59%. So very similar all round, really. It's that very, mm. like you said, high five, early sixes. So I will say that that I do believe that that is underrated. I think there's a real quality to this film uh, in the performances, in the construction of the scenes, the way that it builds tension without it even being something that's necessarily scary. It's like a psychological thriller. Yeah, it is. But just about some dude in London, like, and I think Low that, stakes, there's so much realistic. skill to that. Yeah, there's, yeah. yeah. I um, I completely agree. It's underrated. I can understand that might be things you won't like about the film, or it might not be to your taste. I'm quite surprised the critics scored it low because I thought they might they might give it quite a good score. But that's bollocks for me. I think it's it's even if you have issues with this film, it, there's no way it loses you know forty fifty percent of marks because 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 of anything that's wrong with it. So for me, underrated and underseen. There we go then, another one in the bag. I hope you enjoyed that episode, listeners. That was Enduring Love, Underrated and Underseen. So Josh, what are we going to be watching next week? Uh, next week, we'll be watching uh, I Give It a Year. 
Mm. Which is what a lot of people okay. said about this podcast when you came on board. <laughs> and and we've proved them wrong. Yeah, um, we did it, guys. So there we go. Join us next week when we will be talking about I Give It A Year. Thank you very much for listening to this episode and during our love, so to speak, hey. our, our podcast love. Um, if you get a second, you can give us a little review or a rating wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, wherever does ratings. We would very much appreciate it. If you want to drop us an email and suggest a film, it's films and that pod at gmail.com and we're on all the social medias just search for just films and that or just films and that pod on twitter facebook instagram or tiktok and the website is www.justfilmsandthatpod.com we've also got a regular slot on the local tv network talking about our favorite underrated and underseen films so if you live in bristol Birmingham, Leeds, Liverpool, or the Northeast, you can find us on Channel 7 on Freeview every Friday night from 6pm, or we're on Channel 8 over in North Wales and in South Wales as well. So we're on every Friday night, that's from 6 o'clock, and we're on sometimes Monday evening as well. Yes, unbelievably, they actually let us on the television, which is a scary thought, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I've got my foot in the door, guys, we're okay. Um, <laughs> yes, all that remains to be said then in that case is thank you for joining us, and see you next week. Cheerio! Bye! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.